Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is a pre recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. Today we're talking about something that is on the mind of just about every one of us. I can't imagine it's not on your mind. And that is the coronavirus, how it is impacting our community. Today specifically, we are talking about how it's increasing domestic violence in our community. And with me is Jennifer Oxborough. She's the executive director of the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition. Uh, Jennifer, we know that there are people going through this in our society right now. Maybe you could just give us some idea of how many people are impacted by domestic violence in our society already. Right. That's a great question and something that um, is kind of difficult for people to get their head around in Utah. Um, We were looking at Centers for Disease Control numbers um, that include adult women who have experienced intimate partner violence, stalking, Um, and or sexual assaults by a current or former intimate partner, and that's about 36% of Utah adult women. So that's about one in three Utah women will experience domestic violence in her lifetime. Um, And that's the Centers for Disease Control data that's looking at a 10-year trend. Um, When we look at our Department of Health data, we know that overwhelmingly about 85% of the domestic violence cases um, that intersect the criminal justice system, um, this is where law enforcement have come, prosecutors have charged things, people have been convicted, about 85% of those cases, uh, the female is the victim, but there are other people who, you know, this this crosses socioeconomic uh, lines for sure. Um, This doesn't happen only to people who are poor or um, only to people of a certain um, diversity or ethnicity. Um, it, It happens across the board. And so, Um, We know that men can be affected, people in the LGBTQ community can be affected, people in tribal communities are affected even more so, and and people of color, because um, I think sometimes it's even more challenging for them to gain access to resources and to reach out to law enforcement for help. Um, Our programs every year provide about 100,000 nights of emergency shelter, and collectively we answer over 43,000 crisis calls. Since 2015, we have provided over 17,000 lethality assessment protocols where we have worked with our law enforcement teams and our our programs to um, assess for high-risk situations of domestic violence to determine whether or not someone is likely to be killed by a current or former intimate partner. And that's really important because our DV homicide rate is pretty high in Utah. Um, So... So it's a a lot, and it's very prevalent. I think that's hard for people to understand because Utah is so family-focused and so family-friendly. We love our families here. Um, We really need to work together on this preventable public health issue to make sure that we're as safe as possible. Right. So my next question would be, yeah, we are family-friendly. Why do you think the numbers are so high here? 
Well, I think we have some dangerous variables. We have some um, some ingredients in the in the mix here that are a pretty bad combination um, when it comes to an opportunity to perpetrate domestic violence. So we have a very large wage gap in Utah for men and women. Um, women in Utah have some of the lowest rates of college graduation, some of the lowest rates of employment, and certainly um, the lowest uh, earnings per capita in the country. And so they're very dependent oftentimes on the abusive partner who tends to be the man, based on the data I just shared with you a moment ago. Um, We also have a high degree of dependence. We have the highest birth rate per capita in the country. So um, women who tend to be the victims of domestic violence in Utah tend to have a lot of financial um, dependence on the abusive partner and a lot of children that they have, you know, responsibility for. And so it can be especially difficult to um, change a relationship or leave a relationship um, when you feel like you have children to protect and care for. Um, and a lot of people think, Maria, that they, they need to leave and go live in an emergency shelter, and that's absolutely not true anymore. That was maybe how services were 20 or 30 years ago, but we provide a range of services to people however they want to engage with us. So if you're just looking to um, start to figure out a game plan um, to, to change and improve the safety in, in your family, um, call us and we'll talk it through with you. No one will ever force you into any sort of service that you don't choose for yourself. So when we hear numbers, uh, the numbers are being thrown out of how cases are increasing due to the coronavirus, we are just hearing about um, the numbers of calls to law enforcement. Is that correct? Can you just talk about this increase and in, in what law enforcement are seeing compared to what you are seeing? We love our law enforcement partners, and they are so vital to the safety and well-being of our families and communities, and we really support them. I was really happy to see that they were um, paying attention to this and messaging this. Um, Salt Lake Police Department did a great job of raising awareness that their domestic violence calls had gone up by about 33% since the onset of the coronavirus. Um, Our calls initially went up about 20 to 30% for the services we provide, which are different. Um, And we we provide those services in partnership with law enforcement. Um, You know, they can refer people to us with priority for care if it's a dangerous situation. Um, But our our calls went up about 50 to 60% overall um, in the past 30 days. And and I think that's because we, um, we tend to, to have people engage with us a couple of times, typically before they're, they're ready to reach out to law enforcement. It can be really difficult and scary to call the police on your husband, your boyfriend, your dad, your adult son who's living with you, um, you know, your, your adult child who is using violence and aggression against maybe older parents. It can be really difficult to call law enforcement um, 911 on someone that you know and love, right? So um, I think it feels safer sometimes for people to reach out to a confidential community-based program. Um, and then once we get people engaged in different um, programs and resources, we see that they're, they're often much more likely to engage with law enforcement overall. So I'm not surprised to hear that their numbers are up and that ours are as well. Right. Does that 33 uh, percent that they have number of calls that they're getting, does that indicate that the uh, the level of violence is also going up? 
No, it doesn't. What it indicates is that people are reaching out for help. Those calls could be coming from neighbors, from loved ones. Um, it could be coming from the person who's directly experiencing the violence and abuse. But listen, domestic violence and abuse are a broad term. It can mean a lot of different things, right? It could be stalking. It could be harassment. It could be, um, you know, threats to a former partner. Um, it could be abuse perpetrated by a cohabitant, a roommate. Um, so it can mean a lot of different things. And to me what that means is that people are reaching out for help in those really dangerous situations. They are reaching out to law enforcement and trying to, um, to improve safety. So I'm really glad that people are doing that. Um, and I'm really glad, too, that people are reaching out to us to try to safety plan and engage in resources as well. So in the best-case scenario, um, we hope that, that people will engage with us sooner and we can help curtail the risk and the danger. But certainly if something is dangerous and you need immediate, immediate help, reach out, call 911, and let them decide if, if they need to intervene or not. Well, I'm really glad, glad to hear that that 33% doesn't mean that the severity of those cases have increased at that level because that would be frightening. Yeah, we don't know. We haven't had any qualified researchers within, um, you know, the past 30 days that I know of. We haven't had any start to study the prevalence of what's happening in our home. The only data point that we have is the calls that are coming in, not necessarily how much the violence or aggression or abuse is, is um, ex- expanding in our homes. That would be a different measurement, right? Mm-hmm. Um all we can look at is is the amount of reports and the amount of calls and the amount of engagement. That doesn't measure the amount of actual violence and abuse and aggression that's occurring. It only measures those that are coming forward and actually engaging for help. And we need to take a break. And the number to call if you do or you are experiencing a problem 24-7, this is a free confidential number statewide, 1-800-897-LINK or 1-800-897-5465. We'll be right back.